Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com or give me a call. Well, today we're going to talk about multifamily, uh, and we're calling these shows that we're doing these days uh, Corona Time. Uh, for lack of a better word, uh, and we're putting the date in our titles because this is really a moving target right now. So that's why we're doing much more shows and in, and making sure people understand the date and we're putting this show out immediately. And it's interesting to look at multifamily because if you're multifamily, obviously it's interesting. But even if you're not, it's a real indicator of kind of what's going on out there with employees and and their jobs and you know how it's impacting uh, the economy uh, right where people live. Please welcome my guest. It's Greg Willett. He's Chief Economist with RealPage. Greg, thanks for being with us, sir. Thank you very much, Michael. Good to be here. Yes, and um, as I talked about in the opening, I think multifamily is uh, you know, kind of a, a canary in a coal mine, if you will, to think about, hey, well, what's really going on with all this corona stuff? We're here April 10th, and I guess to, to kind of think about what's going on and how it, it's impacting the multifamily world so far, I guess we kind of got to start and look, well, where, where do we start, right? Yeah, I do think that's an important part of the equation here. Uh, keeping in mind that we were in a really strong position at the beginning of the year. So that does give us a little bit of cushion as we go into this downturn. I mean, not enough cushion, but it helps that uh, apartment occupancy was close to the 96% mark. Um, if we do the comparison point going back to the Great Recession, that's about 200 basis points stronger than it was in early 2008. So that gives us a little bit of room. And then I would also say deals that were done in the last couple of years, people were anticipating some sort of stumble in the economy. So I think people have, are not over, overly leveraged and the deals have been structured to tolerate at least some interruption of income. Yeah, and that makes sense because things were so strong uh, for so long, uh, you, you would hope we'd be in a, in a better position to kind of deal with the storm here. So what are you seeing is kind of most important for multifamilies and owners uh, to think about uh, right now? Well, it's, it's interesting as we went into this and we started seeing the, the massive unemployment claims, and I'm glad you emphasized the date. So as of yesterday, uh, roughly 17 million people have filed for unemployment. Comparison point, go back to the Great Recession, total job loss was about 9 million. So we've already eliminated almost twice as many jobs as we did back in that great recession. Mm. Um, so as that started happening, uh, apartment owners and operators immediately jumped into action. And I think it's significant. First priority was on the safety side. You're thinking about your residents and the people that are on staff and you immediately shut down those common area amenities and you limit the way you interact with the residents in terms of maintenance requests and and really deal with the emergency issues then you start thinking about um, just business continuity 
uh, and you spin up ways to uh, communicate with the residents. Um, you still want to try and keep some leasing activity going, so you're doing that virtually. Um, so just adjustments in day-to-day -day operations, and I think those have happened. Now we're at the situation where you're just trying to assess the damage, how, how much has been done so far, and what lies ahead for you. Yeah, that's important. Keep your your staff healthy, try to keep your uh, tenants healthy uh, and, and give them a healthy environment. And I like that, that thought there, communicate really well uh, with those tenants so they know that as a manager and as a management company, you you do care about them, you are taking those precautions. And, and you talked about, you know, hey, now you can deal with the damage. What is your estimate of percentage-wise of, of how many tenants actually paid April rent? You know, here we are at April 10th. Uh, do you have an idea there? Yeah, so RealPage has worked with some other technology vendors to feed our data into the National Multifamily Housing Council so that they can put together a really broad look at rent payments. Um, the first look at that covered the first five days of the month, and uh, what we saw there was 69%, 70% of the people had paid the rent on time, and that was um, 12 to 13 percentage points under normal. But I will point out there was a, in that first five days of, of April, there was a Sunday in there, and for the comparison point periods, there was not, and so you're not gonna be processing payments on a Sunday in most cases. So that 69% that probably understates and will be catching up as we go through this week. But clearly there were missed payments and there's some pretty interesting differences uh, by product class and by geography. In those yeah, that, that, and I'm curious about that. How, how did, there's a certain communities and property types kind of fare better so far? Um, certainly the, the most vulnerable sector for missed payments are it's the class C communities, that bottom end of the conventional market segment. Um, and so those are, are people who really don't have any sort of financial fallback. As if their income is interrupted, they immediately can't pay rent. Um, I'll also point out just in trouble in tracking that, those are the people who are most, most likely to pay with a check or a money order versus using some sort of automated payment or electronic payment. So it can't just be a delay. Maybe they're going to pay, but they just haven't yet. But the, the Class C numbers are way under what you see for the rest of the marketplace in terms of payment. Um, geography, there are, uh, well, let me, I'm going to start with some good news. Uh, it, there, there were some places that really didn't seem to be impacted at all. And the real standouts were the Texas markets and the North Carolina markets. Um, you look at the rest of the Southeast, payment tended to be pretty encouraging if you take out, uh, minus some markets that have heavy tourism sectors. So Nashville was down, some of the Florida markets were down, but uh, again, Carolinas, uh, Georgia, those were good numbers. Um, the bad news was certainly the, the most extreme uh, of the bad news is New Orleans, which has the coronavirus spread and has a very tourism-heavy economy, 
and just under half of the households had paid their rent in that first five days there. Um, there are also some hits across the country in, not surprisingly, New York, uh, Detroit, other places where the coronavirus has, you've had the stronger outbreak. And then I mentioned those tourism economies. So places like Las Vegas, um, again, anywhere where hospitality is a big deal, uh, the residents are struggling more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, uh, that makes sense. And, you know, I think uh, landlords, you know, for the majority of landlords would take it easy on tenants right now. It seems like everybody has a, a forgiving mindset right now, but, but the government stepped in and a lot of, uh, in a lot of areas and said no evictions for a while. Um, is that impacting the way tenant payments are coming in? Do you think it's uh, uh, making things worse? Uh, you know, what do you see? I, really the answer there is it's too early to tell. Um, we don't see any real evidence of uh, people who have still had their jobs and really haven't had any interruption in their life not paying their rent, which, you know, there were calls for rent strikes and, and uh, some advocacy groups encouraging people just to choose not to pay. We don't see that that has actually happened to any significant degree, but again, it's early in putting the data together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would hope uh, that everyone has the uh, right mindset to work together, uh, even if you are a tenant, if you can pay, I think if you can pay your mortgage, if you can pay your rent, uh, if you can pay your people, come on, let, let's keep doing it. And, and um, Michael, you mentioned you mentioned the, that that people are understanding that it's, it's a difficult situation as we've talked to our client base and done some polling on availability of payment plans, it's 90% plus of the owners and operators say that they're offering some sort of, of payment option for the, the households who can't make full rent. Uh, That's nice. That's really good to hear. You know, and I'm really uh, pleased to hear the, the 70% paid you know, within five days, especially considering uh, your point about the you know the lower tier uh, apartment communities may may f physically pay rent more than than the higher tier communities. So that seems in encouraging uh, as well. What about um, lenders? Uh, uh, you know, here uh, Fannie is is uh, giving some uh, borrowers a break. What what do you see there? I, I think the same way that. Uh, owners and operators are talking to their apartment residents. The owners and operators are also talking to whoever owns the debt they might have on the property. I mean, those conversations are, are ongoing. And I think everybody on all sides of this equation are trying to avoid this becoming a bigger problem than it has to be. Yeah. And again, I think if you can pay your rent, if you can pay your, your mortgage, you do it. This all kind of rolls around for all of us, um, especially paying your, your employees if you can. Um, well, now I've got the uh, elf in the room question for you. Uh, underwriting today, uh, you know, it almost seems like uh, kind of you, in some cases, don't you kind of throw out what happened and you know, 2019, how does an appraiser or a buyer or, you know, underwrite something today? Any tips there? You know, it's, it's, it's challenging and we're going to have a little bit of an interruption of deal flow while everybody takes a wait and see attitude. I think most people who invest in 
uh, multifamily really believe in this sector in in the big picture and certainly compared to other uh, real estate types and and other investment opportunities um, the 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 phrase that uh, kept being used over and over at the last big industry event that I went to is that multifamily is the cleanest dirty shirt in the laundry hamper at this point. So uh, <laughs> the cleanest I, dirty shirt in the laundry hamper. <laughs> so so there, the investment's going to continue, but there is going to be a little bit of a wait and see attitude, um, and that's actually been seen already in some other places, given the coronavirus first spread in Asia, we've already seen that pause in Asian investment in Asian real estate. Um, we're beginning to see it in European uh, real estate as well. So certainly the assumption is we're next in, in the US. Uh, but again, I think it's just a pause. It's not going away. And in fact, in the bigger picture, US multifamily is probably more attractive uh, from in the in the, from the perspective of global capital. Yeah, and then and in some of those uh, Asian markets and things are, you know, are they starting to see activity roll up again? Of course, probably not time enough time to for closings, but properties on the market getting offers. I, I think I think there's the interest is coming back again. The I don't think we had enough time for deals to actually close, but um, you're getting the early indicators that that will come. Yeah, I have a, a opportunistic opportunity for for uh, 235 units, and the activity is is really uh, strong for it, and it and it needs a lot of work. Uh, but it seems like the market was just so hot for people buying uh, apartments, you know, in in southeast or in, around the U.S. But uh, I'm, you know, I work in the southeast, is where our group uh, moves properties. So is as you look at their recovery, and I know it's it's April 10th, so uh, when we can think about what day we're talking, but what do you think about the recovery for multifamily moving forward? Uh, well, just in terms of, of market fundamentals, what our first step is to look at it and make some comparisons back to the Great Recession. And do we think this is about the same? Is it a little bit better? Is it a little bit worse? Um, what we saw in the Great Recession is that occupancy came down about 200 basis points from 94% to 92%. Um, we think that 200 basis point drop is the minimum. Um, keeping in mind, again, we are starting from 96% instead of 94%, but at, at least we're going we're gonna to lose 200 basis points on occupancy. Um, it could go deeper than that. Again, the job cuts have been uh, bigger uh, this time around. And also, we've got a lot more product under construction right now than we did back in 2008 or so. And particularly, we've got a bunch of properties that are caught in lease-up limbo. So they, were, they had units that had been brought online, even if the whole property wasn't finished. It's really tough to lease a vacant unit at this point because people just aren't out there shopping uh, for, for, for their next apartment. So we're gonna lose some ground on occupancy. It's interesting because we do have the eviction moratorium. It's not gonna happen right away. So if you assume that um, the country is open and moving again, 
by late summer. It's probably not until very end of the year and, or until early next year that you start seeing the occupancy numbers coming down. On rent change, Great Recession cut, toll cuts were about 7%, and that occurred over an 18-month time frame. We think we won't cut rents as much this time, partly just because there's more transparency into what's going on. I think operators and owners have gotten a little bit smarter over the course of this past cycle, and they understand that there are things that you can do to try and stimulate the demand that are not just cut price. You can look at your marketing spend. You can think about your resident background criteria. You can look at the way you're following up on the leads that you are getting for renter prospects. So we think people will not rely solely on price cuts to try and get some people in the front door. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, those are some good tips. Uh, you know, it's a remarkable to me when when we take a property to market. One of the things we do is mystery shop uh, the leasing to kind of get an idea of, of you know kind of the performance there. And, and you're right, you guys have a lot of ways to increase performance on these properties. Back to the recovery, Greg. Uh, is it is the you know, of course the recovery depends on the property. In its, in its market and its competition and, and the jobs around it. But, but generally speaking, is the recovery different from, from, from an A to a C? Who, who's in better shape there? Yeah, it's, uh, uh, well, uh, at RealPage, we've been big proponents of that A minus to B plus sort of sector that we thought that that was going to be the most insulated as we went into a downturn. Um, and the, 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 the reasons you don't necessarily want to be that luxury top-end product is because we knew when the downturn come, came, as we've seen right now, there's still a ton of product that's on the way. We've got close to 600,000 market rate units that are under construction uh, in, in the U.S. right now, and that will it'll take a year and a half to two years to get all of that finish. So it's going to be a really competitive leasing environment at the top end of the market for a while. Um, as we talked about earlier with that class C product, those are the most financially vulnerable people. Um, so you are going to have more missed rent payments um, and a little bit more of a struggle there. So B to us is the sweet spot. And we've actually seen uh, some uh, early indicators of demand moving forward. Um, and it, it is, in terms of the people who are out there uh, uh, on websites looking for apartments, in terms of people who are reaching out and asking questions about product availability um, and looking at, at uh, what's really turning into executed leases, clearly B is better positioned than either stream of the product spectrum. Yeah, that makes sense. And when you think about Americans and people around the world going through this, you know, it, it seems a little bit like uh, the depression. I, you know, when I talk to people who went through that or when we meet them, you always see that, boy, they're just, they it seemed like they remain frugal for the rest of their lives. Is, is that something on the trends impact that, that COVID's creating? 
Um, might uh, people be more conscious and, and want to have a lower percentage of their income uh, on rent moving forward? Are Americans going to want to save more and be more frugal moving forward and, and maybe, like you said, help these bees and potentially when the recovery is strong, you know, even help the seas? Um, it could. Um, and I think that you're going to have some some social scientists who are going to want to push that, and you're going to have some evidence that supports it, and also some that uh, is going to contradict that. I think it's interesting as we go into this, I've already seen uh, some stories that are popping up on, hey, this means folks love rural America now, and we're, we're going to head in that, and we, we have the fear of density and nobody's ever going to want to live downtown in these high-rise projects ever again. Well, I'll point out that was actually the theory after 9-11 that got pushed in a big way, that you were, you were afraid of terrorism attacks, and you would never live in the urban core. And then we went to, as millennials started entering the housing market, they were only going to live downtown, and they were never going to go to the suburbs. And, and you had some people who certainly... Uh, jumped on that investment theory. Um, so, yes, it might move the needle a little bit, but I don't think we've drastically changed things. What I would say is demand for housing in general and apartments specifically, it just follows the jobs. Um, so wherever we're creating jobs, that's where the housing demand will be. It might be interesting Have we actually changed the way we work. You and I are both in our houses today uh, and still getting done what needs to get done. Um, so does that make us less physically tied to some work location and you then have to live right where you, you work in terms of where's the corporate office? So that could mix things up a little bit, but we'll see. There'll be some changes, but I don't think we've invented a whole new world here. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. And wonder if people want, uh, you know, that extra bedroom, um, you know, for their home office. And you, you mentioned the, uh, the density and, and people, uh, you know, wanting, wanting to work and live in town uh, in a dense and fun environment. Uh, well, we are social animals, right? <laughs> I mean, we do want to be around people. We don't, not all of us want to be alone. My, my daughter is um, 23 and she lives in, in a dense environment in Midtown Atlanta. Um, and uh, she came to visit me a couple weekends ago when, and at Lake Lanier, uh, 45 minutes north of Atlanta in rural, and it's beautiful on the lake. She was bored to tears. I mean, you know, there you go. be around the action, right? And, and I, I think that just underlines, I mean, people are different and they're gonna make different choices. Um, and there are going to be some lifestyle preferences uh, that come into play here. Uh, but we, we have to be careful when we're thinking about the apartment market and saying renters do whatever, uh, because some renters do that, but it's a pretty diverse base of people who live in multifamily housing. So uh, it's easy to overstate micro trends and make it a big deal. Yeah, that's right. Well, Greg, what would you leave our audience with if they own or manage or invest in uh, apartments? In, well, it's April, it, and it's April 10th. It's April 10th. I, I, I will point out that I'm old enough to have experienced several market cycles. And 
I, I think there is the danger of, of again, we've, it's been good times for so long, and there are a lot of people in our industry who've never actually experienced a recession. And so maybe my parting thought is it does get better. There actually is an upside after we get through this period of disruption, and it will be painful, but it's still going to be okay in the big picture. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I've been through uh, several of them. I was in one in, uh, I guess, the 86, 87. I was selling apartments uh, when uh, the apartments were just foreclosing everywhere. Every deal I had fell through. Uh, and I remember I was a, very young, and, um, I, and and all the SNLs started failing. Uh, it was really bleak. And uh, I went to what I would call, I'm fairly upbeat, I think. So I was called, I went into depression for two weeks. I'm like, oh, my world's over. And then all of a sudden, after two weeks, I snapped out of it. And I became a much more efficient, better broker, just really, really up my game. So in some cases, maybe uh, this wakes some of us up and uh, we all become more efficient uh, and, and better at what we do, right? Yeah, I, I, hey, I, I was entering the industry at that time, too, and we spent, as an economist and, and analyst, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what was going to happen with these uh, deals that the Resolution Trust Corporation was holding, and, and everything that went into foreclosure, what are we going to do with that product? But then we saw what happened after that, and it was amazing comeback. So at some point down the line, we have another amazing comeback coming for us. Yeah. And the weird thing about that one was that w that was man-made, right? <laughs> they changed the uh, uh, depreciation schedules. And I, when they said they were going to do it, I thought, nah, these politicians are invested in apartment deals. They're in syndications. That would kill the values on all these properties. And they're not going to do it. And then they did it. <laughs> I'm like, what? You know, every cycle, there you have the people who say this time it's different because, it, circling back to your point, at least this time it's not our fault. We didn't do this to ourselves on this one. Yeah, we didn't cause it. We didn't overbuild. We didn't overleverage. Uh, well, Greg, great information as usual. Enjoyed uh, talking to you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Michael. All right. And thank you for joining us around the country. We appreciate that your comments and, and your thoughts and, uh, and contacting us and sharing the show uh, with your friends and contacts and uh, give us advice if, uh, if you'd like to see something covered uh, on the show. So um, until next show, which will probably be any the tomorrow or the next day, we're doing a lot of shows. Make sure that you lead, learn and laugh and join us for America's commercial real estate show. the show consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors bull realty is a commercial real estate sales leasing and advisory firm doing business throughout the southeast headquartered in atlanta visit bullrealty.com for more information commercial agent success strategies provides video training for commercial agents this training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. 
and at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.